Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome to the latest episode of Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, Eddie Sun, joined by Julio, also in L.A., and Reagan, who is in a car in Miami currently. Yes, but sir. we'll get our episodes off, recorded in any circumstances, in any situations. <laughs> so so on this episode, we want to kind of do a little mid-season review and mid-season predictions. But um, before we do that, I think we wanted to do a fun little exercise. You know, um, we, we bring up a list of players, a list of four players, and we decide, um, it depends on whether you guys want to cut one or whether you guys want us to choose to build around one. And um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna bring up a list, it'll be on Julio and Reagan, so I'll let you guys take it away. Shall I do the honors or shall you, Julio? I'll go ahead you and go first. So, since I'm a nice guy, right, I'm all about building, Julio's gonna wanna criticize, you know, cut one of these dudes he's got to go because he sucks and he's terrible and we all hate him no i'm not with that you know all the four guys that i'm about to name are good they're all strong young guards who have proven themselves separated themselves from the pack in the league but i want you to pick one to build your team around so your list De'Aaron fox of the sacramento kings Lamelo ball of the charlotte hornets john morant of the memphis grizzlies shy gilgis alexander of the oklahoma city thunder pick one of these four young guards to build your team around i'm flipping it to you first eddie oh me first yeah wow yeah um, spot. <laughs> caught me off guard um well that's tough i mean I, i've been paying attention to this player all year and he has done nothing but impress me so i think i'm gonna go with shy mm. um I think to me, he is by far the most gifted scorer out of the three and that I wouldn't really trust the other three if I need a bucket to get me a bucket. But when you look at Shy, especially this year, you know, like he's so methodical. He's so good at getting advantages, creating angles, you know, getting to the rack, finishing, um, hitting pull up threes. He, he has a legit deadly pull up three game now. And then, of course, like, you know, he had that, like, defensive capability since he's come out of Kentucky. Um, he'll always be solid on that end, um, given, you know, he has that crazy wingspan. But I think that, you know, like, it, it, it's tough. But to me, Shai's improvement is legitimately turning him into a bona fide star. You know, I, I think you can say he's a, he's a star right now. He was in a different circumstance. And, you know, once he develops further, he's still so young. You know, give him a couple more years. He, he really has like borderline superstar potential and Mm -hmm. i know you see that with some of the other guards in the list like jaw has you know superstar potential but that's a lot to do with you know the the hype the flash right i think shy is really doing it by execution so i'm gonna go with shy 
Yeah, the the thing about SGA is that um, I've I've always loved this game because he's so slick, he's so skilled. He's he's he reminds me of you know a lot of those players who may not have the most athleticism, but they just know certain angles. You know how 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 to attack certain defenders is top foot or whatever the case may be. Um, how to play pick and rolls. It, it's guys like Paul Pierce. Uh, you know, Luka Doncic, who, you know, don't have that otherworldly athleticism, who, you know, need to have that in their game in order to succeed in the league. Um, and it's a great thing because along with time, you know, your your game doesn't depreciate. It, it kind of, you know, it ascends or it, it stays the same for a long time. Um, but overall, the guy I would build around is easily John Morant here. Um, ja is... Uh, he's a great passer, and I know that he may have a little bit more flash as opposed to skilled in comparison to, to SGA, but, I mean, that's not a bad thing. I, 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 need, a, I need a guy who I, – I don't need a guy, but I would prefer a guy who can really electrify my team and lead my team in a way that, you know, I, I know he's going to play hard. He's going to get his teammates to play hard. And he, again, he's just electrifying, whether it's his dunks, his crazy finishes, uh, his crazy passes sometimes. And a, a dude who's just going to go like, like, you know, 110% every single game. And uh, he, he's a guy who maybe is in a, an inconsistent shooter a little bit, but I can live with that so long as you know, you're always attacking, you're always, you know, trying to find your shot and trying to find your teammates. And he's a guy who I think he really, he, I mean, all these guys really, they know the game um, from an IQ standpoint. Um, but he really has that uh, amongst these guys, that otherworldly athleticism that I, that I really, really like along with skills to go along with it. He, he knows how to play the pick and roll. A guy that I kind of compare him to, and this isn't in, you know, basketball or in the NBA. It's like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was always a guy who... Yo, uh, that you just did something, bro. You just did Le- something, Le- 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 Le'Veon Bell, when he was with the Steelers, he was, uh, he was my favorite running back in, in the league. And, um, you know, it's funny because you, you guys remember the, the podcast episode when I was raving about Kemba Walker's patience. That's exactly what John Morant has on, you know, whenever he plays a pick and roll. He just waits and waits and waits for something to happen, keeps a guy on his hip like CP3, and then can just burst out and just dunk on your head. So, it, it, for me, it would be John Morant. You just did something with that comparison, bro. I love the cross sport, like Le'Veon Bell, because that was the thing with Le'Veon. I know I like I'm the football guy here, but Le'Veon Bell would literally sit behind those linemen for two, three seconds, and then bam, hit that gap as soon as it's there. John Morant plays the exact same way. You know that's my guy. You know that's my boy. The only thing that gives me pause when it comes to John Morant, or I, I suppose it's two things, but it's kind of one and the same, in that the jumper, when you talk about the pick and roll and the fact that he's as lethal in the pick and roll as he is right now without a good jumper, because his, it's, his three percentage has dropped significantly this year. Teams are dropping under that screen like it's nothing, man. And to his credit, he keeps on pulling the threes when it's there, but he's just not making them at a good enough clip this year for me to feel comfortable in saying that's my franchise player. I don't think that's going to stay true. I think that he's going to eventually put that in a spot where it's going to be easy. But if I'm making the decision right now, I'm going on upside, right? I'm building around my team. I want to give my team the highest chance in the future 
to go win a championship. So I'm going to pick the player that I think has the highest upside. Y'all know who I'm about to say. LaMelo Ball, man. LaMelo Ball. And we haven't seen it yet, right, because it's just his rookie season. But we've seen so many flashes. Your boy Draymond, Eddie, was talking about he doesn't even know how to play the NBA game yet. The dude's just acting on pure instinct out there. But what we've seen from him since he was inserted into the starting lineup, it's been nothing short of remarkable, man. The dude's dropping 20 pieces like he's nothing. He's throwing 10 assist games out there like it's nothing. He's shooting the ball in good efficiency. He's playing smart basketball. He's nowhere near as bad as defensively as people were saying that he was going to be. LaMelo Ball is a star in the making man he he, the dude has all the intangibles plus you talk about excitement you want somebody who's going to ignite a team you want a guy who's going to be fun to be around that people are going to love to play with granted eddie you mentioned the scoring ability i'm not sure i trust a mellow ball to be the guy to go get me a bucket either but i see so many strides that he can still take in this game we talk about the mid-range floater that's not hitting the way you want it to be we talk about his ability to move off the ball without the ball like he's a good spot-up shooter but i'd like to see him move off the ball cutting um better than he currently is but there's so many different things that he can do to uh, increase his potential and hit his ceiling. Yet he's already so damn good. Like you, I feel like you can honestly make an argument for him being top twelve guards in the NBA, and that's that's like it, it's it's an argument Whoa. to be made. It's an argument guards to be made. Or point guards. Point guards. Point guards. Oh, like okay. and not not all lead guards, guards. And, not, and not every lead guard in the same pool. But if we're talking about point guards, you can make a decent argument for John Moran, or excuse me, Lamelo Ball being top twelve. Hell, maybe even top ten. Man, the dude has been that special this year. And I, you know, if you ask me, he has the highest ceiling of the four, and I'm going to bet on ceiling every time. I feel like we might be sleeping without going too much longer. I feel like we might be sleeping on what Shy is doing because he's not doing it in a super sexy way but to me like when i watch him i can i can see him becoming a devin booker-esque scorer like i feel like he has that in Mm. him right now like he doesn't quite have like the special no he he don't he he don't have that it's yeah it's more like but there's a lot of similarities there with with the way they play i mean i i love sga i thought i thought i was the only one who really Mess with SGA here. I, th- I thought you didn't like him, Eddie. I mean, not after Julio this year. Julio stay like, like just, oh, no. Okay, yeah, maybe. I remember. Year, but... I remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, well, it should be said that there's no way to really go wrong here with any of these four guards. I do want to mention De'Aaron Fox is another dude. Hell, he was a borderline all-star this year. Uh, you could have made a really good argument for De'Aaron Fox being an all-star. The only reason I didn't go- lean his direction was because I feel like he's, kind of hitting his ceiling right now and his ceiling isn't the type of person that i'd be willing to say you're my 1a guy i feel like he's a 1b on a championship team and that's a damn good player in the nba just not you know i need a 1a if i'm going to make that decision but yeah all four of these guards man exceptionally talented players but i'm excited to see what julio has in the store man yeah so um we we kind of wanted to do something similar with this with more you know wing or you know, people who play on the perimeter and but instead of, uh, you know, choosing one guy to build your team around, we're going to do just just like a, a, a person that you choose or the player that you choose to cut. So my four players are Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker and Paul George. Um, now, I can go last because I know who I'm cutting. Uh and I can make my decision pretty fast. Um, but 
you know, I, I can I see Reagan kind of struggling <laughs> over there, yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm my head to Eddie. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling too. I'm you, want just not, you, know, as, you want me to go first? You want me to go first? Well, Eddie won't show you that he's struggling. I'm over here. Oh, damn. Eddie's just. <laughs> you might need to go first. You want me to go man, first? Honestly. Maybe you sway right. me because it's tough. All right. So, I mean, you, you guys know who, who's my you know, golden egg here, right? I have a hunch. It's Bradley Beal. So, he's for sure not out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second guy that's for sure not out the door for me is a guy that. Um, is playing, you know, lights out right now. And, you know, he's he, his team started out, what was it? Was it was it 5-12 and 12 or 6-12? and 12 Or what was it? The Miami Heat essentially, you know, started off with a bad record. Jimmy Butler got COVID-19, um, was out for 12 games. His team really, really struggled, obviously, because he's the best player. And now, you know, in the games that he's played, you know, and, and he's back with the team, they're 15 or 16 and 6. And, again, he he's just the ultimate um, galvanizer of troops that usually you put that responsibility elsewhere on, like, a, a player like D. Fish or, you know, role players like that who are mature, have been in the league for a long time. But – he, enca- he he embodies that while also being the kind of, you know, superstar for your team. Superstar, maybe not in name and popularity, but definitely, you know, a, a, a guy who you can trust to give the mantle to, to be the best player on, you know, potentially a championship team. So that's a dude who I'm definitely not cutting. Um, uh, and then it's between Devin Booker and PG. And I'm a bet, I, I'm a just... You know, I'm gonna just be straightforward with it. I'm I'm choosing Devin Booker. Um, obviously, he he's the younger player, and we're not really doing projections right now. Um, is Paul George the better player right now with all the things that he can do on the offensive end? Uh, maybe, but I mean, Devin Booker's right there, so maybe the the biggest differentiator is on the defensive end. But I, I mean, honestly, I can fill those holes elsewhere on, on my team. And Devin Booker, I, I just feel like. He really has, you know, a potential to be to be something greater than Paul George. And um, I don't know, man, when it comes to PG, he used to be one of my favorite players, my favorite player, in fact. But it's just something with him that, you know, it, it, it just makes me if I'm a GM, you know, I'd be weary of Paul George because of all, you know, all the other players in the locker room not liking him, perhaps. And just disrupting team chemistry. I don't know what it is with Paul George. He just kind of bothers me now. So I, he's definitely out the door. Reference. Oh, I forget which episode it was, but there was one episode where you just went ham on Paul George's existence <laughs> as a person. Yeah, See, yeah we, we know you how did. You, you did all him. that. You did all that just to come to the conclusion. He's like, oh, I'm no, I don't really like Paul George, so that's why <laughs> I'm not picking him. But mm, mm, this is tough, but I think I have my answer. And ultimately, ahead, I think it boils down to we know that Jimmy Butler can be a, a number one on a team and take it to the championship or very close. Um, we know that um, I'm forgetting. But, oh, I, I think we, we can all agree that Devin Booker looks like he's a number one player on like a championship team in the making. I'd say that Paul George, even though we might have never seen it, you know, like, I think Paul George, you know, can be a number one on a, on a very good championship contending team 
You're not about to kick out Bradley Beal. Hell no. Bradley Beal. You know Bradley, Bradley, Bradley Beal has been. Podcast. I'm, walk, I'm watching Hashtag like Bradley Beal. I, I like, do it. I, I like Bradley Beal, but the ideal role for Bradley Beal in a winning system, in a winning team, is as like a number two. You know, as like a superstar score that also serves as so, like a role player. So is Jimmy Butler. So is Jimmy Butler. Like Brad- Bradley Beal is not going to be the best player on a championship team. And as much as I love Jimmy Butler, he's not going to be the best player on a championship team either. At best, he'll be like, like, the like best this, player on a championship like one, team runner up. One 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 B one A. I I don't know See, what what people say. The thing say, is, our know? our definitions of who can be the best player on a championship team is so skewed because of LeBron. You know, because like if it was if we weren't playing in the LeBron era, there would be a lot of players that could be the best player on the championship team. But now there's only about one or two in the league. You know, so. But just in my opinion, we've seen Bradley Beal be absolutely dominant the last couple of years as the singular focal point of offense. And he's really good at scoring, but he's also a volume scorer, you know, and his sort of role can be optimized if he's more of like a 1B slash 2 on a team. Like if he played as a number two behind Steph on the Warriors, you know, just throwing this out there again. for the it, Would, would um, you not say the same about Devin Booker? No, I feel like Devin I Booker's scoring prowess plus his ability to playmake now gives him like I th- I think he can be a one in the future on a team. I just don't know about Bradley Beal given what we've but seen it, the last I couple mean, of years. But I mean talking talking about being really skewed, look the on, the only guy who's on a bad team here is Bradley Beal. You can't judge his record. That's true. His team is atrocious. I mean, but every other, every other his, guy has hey, Russell every Westbrook other guy has an triple all-star double on the other team. night. Russell Westbrook dropped a <laughs> triple double the other night. Come on now. No, I mean well, I would every other that, guy on. Yeah, go ahead. I think that Beal just looks better as a in a complimentary role, not as like the superstar. Yeah, I, I think that's that goes for every single guy on this list. I don't know. I feel like Jimmy Butler and Devin Booker specifically is and can be. In that role, I mean, put all these guys next to LeBron. Put all these guys next to Steph. Put all these guys next to KD. Know, the, like, the, yeah, of course. The yeah, exactly. Like those, those are the that that that's the best kind of role suited for them, in my opinion. But I feel like it's specifically for Bradley Beal, where if if he's like the pure number one, you know, like. Life gets kind of tough for him a little bit or for his team. But again, like we're all picking at needles or what, whatever the term mm. is here. Grasping I think that's the right term. But yeah, what? I was thinking of needle in a haystack. <laughs> Anyways, I, I don't know. Um, mm, I don't so I guess know. I'm the tiebreaker here because it's not going to be Devin Booker and it's not going to be Jimmy Butler. That much is abundantly clear. Between Bradley Beal and Paul George, it's really tough for me. Because I have memories of Paul George fumbling the bag come playoff time. Right? So it's hard not to get past that. But I have zero memories of Bradley Beal in the playoffs in a significant, you know, I haven't seen him oh, in that wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I haven't wow. seen him. I, like, put, it, put, it, Bradley, 
<laughs> what? I mean, he's what? not on that. He's not on a team like that. He's not, right, right. Put, put Bradley that, Beal. Put Bradley Beal in that situation. I promise you, it doesn't. Not it losing that likely series. doesn't go like that, right? So, what I have to do is <laughs> try to. I mean, it's 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 really hard. <laughs> it's it's really hard. Um, and this is a player that has to go. I'm going to have to go Paul George, man. I'm going to have to go Paul George. I- I'm going to give Bradley Beal the benefit of the doubt of having not seen him in that context. I've seen Paul George in that context. I've seen the kind of ambivalence that his teammates have had about him at times. or that It's, leaked, it's been leaked about um, in that Clippers locker room. I've seen, you know, how he's carried himself in certain situations. No indictment on Paul George as an individual, but, you know, I mean, hell, even Bradley Beal, like, he had that one instance where he was kind of, like, really poor body language on the court, though. Mm. But, like, I'm, I'll stick are with we my forgetting answer, that Paul, Paul George, George, Paul George. Like, like, Paul George was the second best player in an NBA season for, you know, a given season. Uh, what what happened to him now? So him with Kawhi should, should win, like, almost every year then. Well, was that he unfortunately has to play next to Kawhi, which takes away. You know, I mean, it's unfortunate he that do. he has to hit the side of the backboard in a crucial game. <laughs> okay, and we're here. <laughs> we all knew it would come to this. I'm gonna have to say Paul George, but it's so close that like that could go either way. I'm gonna give the slight edge to because mm, like, if you're ever going like, I mean, who, who do I like watching more? Probably Paul George when he's really cooking, but. Paul I, George is a lot more volatile. I mean, I think that's what it boils down I mean, to. For, Paul George is more volatile than Bradley Beal. I, I mean, the thing for me is that one of these guys said that 33-year-old Russell Westbrook was the best teammate he's ever had. That's pretty sad. And that's pretty sad. <laughs> hey, he dropped a triple-double. So, <laughs> what's, what's the problem? I don't, I, don't see, I don't see lies there. How do you think John Anyways, Wall so feels let's about move here, on. I don't, yeah, that's, that's beside the point. <laughs> John Wall feels like, uh, I don't know, Julio, you brought this up the other day. He said John Wall says once everyone in Houston buys in. I mean, Houston's bought yeah, into Kevin I mean, Porter what, and Christian once, Wood, though. What, I mean, once once James Harden left, I mean, the gates opened, right? No, because P.J. Tucker's not bought in, obviously. So once P.J. Tucker's gone, <laughs> then they'll start winning. It's how you guys bro, just got to think. Bro really years. said, you know, they won the. It's because they won the first game, and Oladipo went off. That you know, uh, once James Harden was out, you know, this is what happens when everybody buys in. You know, the, 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 this would happen, and you know, this would happen when we're all playing for each other, not against each other. And you know, this is new Houston Rockets. Shut up, shut up. Hasn't fat Christian James, Wood, fat four, fat forty-year-old James Harden will would still be the best player on your team. Anyways, hasn't Christian Wood been hurt like lately though? Isn't that part of why they're they're losing a lot? They, yeah, I but know, I mean they they have they have pieces with Kevin Porter and him. You know, Kevin Porter has been he's been nuclear. <laughs> he's he that dude is a bucket, man. He's a bucket. Let's move on before we go on this tangent, man. Yeah, let's move on to the meat of the show, in which I will name some teams, given where they are in the standings, and I'll give like. I'll just ask a question, you know, given what the teams are and, and, and just something for some food for thought. So let's start in the Eastern Conference. I think very clearly the top three teams, Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, has kind of separated themselves as kind of that 
upper tier, you know, within the East. So the question is, which team is most likely to flame out in the playoffs, like really disappoint, come up short of expectations? Out of those three teams? I mean, if we're we're going on precedent, the Milwaukee Bucks, right? But much has been made. But are they the Milwaukee Uh, Bucks of old? That's what I'm saying. Much has been made this season of the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, kind of taking the regular season on a back burner and trying new things and forcing Giannis into positions that he hasn't been in before, making those decisions, shooting more, all that good stuff. So, you know, maybe Budenholzer has finally turned the corner um, in terms of, you know, trying new things to get ready for the playoffs. But I don't – you know how I feel about Brooklyn. That's my championship team. I don't see them crashing and burning anytime soon. And it's really hard to envision Philadelphia crashing and burning just because what they have is so sustainable, right? You have the most – arguably the most dominant big man um, in Joel Embiid, and he's able to kick it out to shooters like Seth Curry and Danny Green. You have all the spacing you need. You have arguably the best defender in the NBA and Ben Simmons. Like, those are things that aren't going to go anywhere unless you want to make the argument that maybe the shooting could dip come playoff time, but I don't think that – there's reason to think that other than the fact that perhaps it's Danny Green. But I don't know, man. I would have to still give it to Milwaukee as the team the most likely to crash and burn. Yeah, shoot. I really can't decide between these two. On the one hand, you know, everyone who listens to the show knows my kind of beef with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Giannis specifically. And how they run their offense and how it's so dependent around Giannis. Um, And when your offense is so dependent on a guy who's kind of one-dimensional in a way. And he, I mean, he's dominant as hell in his one-dimensional kind of role. Um, That does limit you come playoff time uh, when you need, you know, true diversity and need to mix things up. Um, But I'm going to lean towards the addition of Drew Holiday and a, a, a growing role for as much as I don't tr- like like fully trust Chris Middleton, I trust him more in a you know Bucky getting late game role than I do Giannis. And I think Giannis has really, I think Giannis has stepped back and realized that although you want to be the best player, you want to maximize your potential to the nth degree. You also have to recognize and look at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you're not all the best players are going to be like that. Shaq, Shaq won, you know, all the finals MVPs in those in those uh, in that three peat with Kobe. But he's not going to be the type of dude up there, you know, dancing on people trying to get a bucket at the end of the game. So you, I, I think he's really taken aback, and now he trusts more with the guys, you know, in the growing role of Chris Middleton and having Drew Holiday. You guys know that I've always, always had beef also with Joel Embiid. Yes. Joel Embiid is a guy who has been, I mean, insanely dominant, and it, it seems like every other day th- there's a highlight on my social media page where he's like, Dancing on a dude, he can do like the hardened step back. He can, you know, go between the legs, euro, then dunk on a dude, finish with his left hand, whatever the case may be, because he has all those skills. But I, I just ask myself, you could have been doing this all your whole career, bro. Like th- this is not something that you just gained this past summer. This is not something that you know just you just had a revelation that oh shoot, I'm skilled. 
I'm as skilled as some of the top skill guys in this league, and I'm bigger than any everybody and heavier and taller than everybody, so I can dominate. So it, to me, it's a drive thing. So when I compare Giannis, knowing his limitations, and I compare Joel Embiid, knowing his limitations, I'm going to go with the guy who I, I'm just going to say, who I can trust is going to play harder. And... You know, when when I look at Giannis, as much as, you know, criticism as I give him, that's a dude who I can really feel like that's a dude who's going to put it all out on the line. And sometimes I feel like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can be indifferent about things, although he left the court crying like he cared so much. Um, you know, bro's still, you know, if he if I see him eat another McDonald's or Burger King or whatever before a game, he can't eat, he I'm can't a just, eat McDonald's you know, now, dog. Really? No, no. You know, Not Giannis that, eats McDonald's. Like, he just doesn't post it. OK, stop. you know, Giannis and, eats McDonald's. And, but, you know, but but on, on a realer note, um, when it comes to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, those are two guys who I do not have trust in. I have trust in Seth Curry. And maybe maybe if they get like a Kyle Lowry, I, I'd have a little bit more trust in, in perimeter ball handling. But when you compare it to Chris Middleton and, you know, Drew Holiday, as much as I don't trust them 100%, I trust them way more than what Philly has on the perimeter in late game situations. Um, so I'm going to go with Philly. Philly. That's, I mean, that's a really interesting breakdown, but... For me, it's tough because I don't want to go back on my preseason pick where I said Philly was the best team in the East. And I still really like the way they're constructed. I think this Embiid injury might actually be like a, a blessing in disguise. Like you give him some time off um, so you don't overwork him during the regular season. But, you know, the way they play, like, they don't take as many threes as I thought they would. I hope that they make the adjustment and, you know, Seth Curry starts letting it fly more. They start, you know, prioritizing, like, stop overpassing and just, you know, let those threes fly. Um, but, yeah, part part of the roster construction kind of worries me in Philly, especially, like you mentioned, Julio, that they don't have a perimeter ball handler like that. But... Well, before I say, but I and I think that watching Milwaukee this year, they have done some different things. I feel like Giannis is actually making improvements in areas that matter, and I and I can see it happening. But the thing is, Joel Embiid, for as as much flack as you give him, Julio, with you know how how apathetic he looked at times, you know in the playoffs, like every year, he's dominant. You know, last year, even though they got swept by Boston. He was unstoppable in that series because he had to be. Because he had to be. He had no other. Fair, but players. then, but then Fair. two years ago, two years ago, I know people talk about you know Jimmy Butler, but Joel Embiid single handedly was dominating Toronto in that seven game series. Every time he stepped off the floor, they were losing by a ton of points, and when Embiid was on, you know they were winning. Um, and and that's the kind of difference maker Joel Embiid is, even in a playoff series, I think. You know, even if they throw doubles at him, I think he's become a better passer. He he's he has more, you know, shooting ability, shot creation, and the defense is always gonna be there. That defense is the game changer. I I still think it's Milwaukee, but I actually think, you know, between these three teams, even the Nets, even though even the even though the Nets have all the talent, it's it'll be interesting because 
that's an you know those three match up with each other pretty well in in some ways or another so i would still go with milwaukee as the most if you want to call it fraudulent team but you know i don't think they have as many holes as as uh they did last year at all mm-hmm. no definitely not it, it's it's going to be real interesting man uh, the thing is i with, with the sixers i just there's not at least in the Eastern Conference, I don't see a whole lot of playoff teams that have answers for Joel Embiid. And it almost becomes one of those things where I know you talk about it all the time, Eddie, where maybe perhaps you see teams start to say, you know what, we let Joel Embiid eat and try to shut everything else down. Um, whether that be try to keep Ben Simmons on the perimeter, whether that is, you know, don't let Seth Curry and Danny Green get anything, whether that's, you know, Tobias Harris. He he's been pretty good this year, so I just don't see anyone having an answer for Joel Embiid in the East at all, and particularly the Nets. That series, I hope we get to see that series because that would be really interesting to see um, Joel Embiid. It would almost feel like kind of single-handedly, at least on the offensive end, try to pick up the slack for everybody else because that would be their only hole that the that the Nets have. I mean, at the, and, the and, yeah, and, you know, to touch on a topic that we touched on, I don't know if it was last episode or two episodes ago, about this three-point frenzy. Um, obviously, you know, I do believe that there's a balance, but I don't think the NBA should, you know, change lines and all that crap. Um, but this is this is where strategy and, you know, basketball IQ comes into play. Like, for, you know, that example with the Denver Nuggets, you don't shoot, you don't go to the three-point line if you have an open three, if you have an open damn layup on a three-on-one fast break. That's just stupid, bat. like, you're stupid. I, I, I It doesn't matter if three is more than two, but that, that, that's just <laughs> dumb, right? That That's, you don't know, you don't know what you're doing, but... Um, this is where Joel Embiid has to eat. And this has been, you know, one of my issues with him. Not only the injury, not only his, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, apathy or, or, you know, being kind of checked out sometimes. It's that just go down low. And it might sound kind of uh, outdated or old school, but just go down low and eat, bro. Just dominate. Because I, I, I can assure you, if Shaq played in today's game... Like he would still be, you know, if if not the best, I don't think he would be the best player, but he'd be up there, obviously, and playing the same way he did. So it's just you have to play to your strengths. Don't don't be, you know, a three point shooting big that, you know, likes to shoot mid ranges more than he likes to post up dominate down low. That That's going to that's going to be up to Joel Embiid. Man, on the one hand, you're, you're talking about Joel Embiid, go eat, go eat, go eat. And then he comes back with some McDonald's, you get mad. So, yeah, I don't know. It's giving, it's giving hypocrite, man. I don't know. I'm with you. <laughs> so, for the rest of the East teams, because the conference kind of sucks, I'm not going to go in depth with every team. But Miami's right now number four in the East. Simple question. Do you think they've separated themselves from the rest of the pack? in that conference as the kind of yes one one tier below those top three teams i think yes but they still don't have a chance against like brooklyn or uh i'm just saying against brooklyn mainly because you know i i just i just don't see it they're they're gonna have to add you know this summer they're gonna have to add whether it's i know bradley beal's not on the market but they're gonna have to add like a bradley beal zach like that type of dude to help bolster the offensive end um, so they're not so dependent on, you know, just just 
I, I guess I don't, I don't want to say team motion or like a team offense. They have to have a dude who's just you know he can drop thirty when they need to. Um, and, and you know Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler can be that, but I, I just feel like they they need another guy to to help them out. But in this year, I do definitely think they have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Uh, but I just don't think that they'll they'll get out of the East. I, I wouldn't be too surprised if the Heat make a move before the trade deadline. It, it seems like they've been kicking the tires on a lot of different dudes, whether that's. Um, like Victor Oladipo, whether that's uh, there was another name out there. Lamarcus, Lamarcus Aldridge. Do they, they don't. They don't need to do that. They don't need to do that. No. Um, but <laughs> yeah, um, they've been kicking the tires on some of these guards, and I feel like if they could land somebody in the mold of a Victor Oladipo, hell, Demar Derozan's name has been tossed out there as a potential option if he doesn't want to extend with the Spurs. Um, if they get a guy like that. Oh yeah, you're competing with the 76ers and the Bucks. I mean, we saw what they were able to do last year, and we know it's not the same Bucks team, this, that, and the other, right? But we know that Bam out of bio is, you know, people call him the Bam Stop or whatever. I think the Heat as a collective are more of the Bam yes, Stop. Sir. But like, you know, they they got something for Giannis. And just like Bam out of bio is as a as a as a force defensively as it is, um, if there's anybody in the league that could have something for Joel Embiid, oh, it's probably Bam out of bio. Thank you. So get, I, I, it would be it'd be interesting to see the the Heat go up, even if they don't get one of these guys. They would have man that that's going at least six games. You ask me with either one of those teams. Above man, the, and the and, and if and if you, uh, I know you guys vehemently vehemently disagree with me, but man, you give me Bam Adebayo or, or uh, Joel Embiid, give me Bam. Give me Bam. Stop it. Stop. Give me yeah. Bam, bro. <laughs> give me not, Bam. Not that. How, are you gonna, how are you going to say, give me, give me the guy I need to stop or the guy that I'm going to use to stop the other guy? Give me the guy that I'm going to use to stop the other guy. Because, like, give me give me the guy that, like, I'm like, like if, if, my, well, if Miami makes a move, if, if Miami makes a move, I'll, I'll pick Miami. I'll pick Miami. I'm, I'm, I'm almost with you. I would have to see what the move is. I'd have to see what the move is. But I'm almost with you there. Because, I mean, that we saw what Miami was capable of last year. And they're hooping right now. So, it, w- it, it would reason to conclude that, yeah, they could go make a run. I mean, if Joel Embiid is by far the best player, he should be able to – his team should win. You always do this, man. <laughs> I mean, you you got you got you got you got Joel Embiid, you got Ben Simmons, you got you know a twenty point per game score in Tobias, you got you know Seth Curry, you got all these dudes. You you got enough. You got Tyrese Maxey, Dwight Howard, Doc Rivers is your coach. I'm gonna start doing a Julio man. You got all these things. Real quick, Boston's chances. Do you think they have any fighting chance to compete with them? I don't, it just it seems worse and worse for Boston the more we like like there was this like flashpoint where it was like yes this is the Boston team that is ready to go win a chip and I, I want to say it probably wasn't the Kyrie team because we saw that kind of blow up in the locker room but once they got Kemba in town it was like that's the team right there that goes and win the chip and Ever since then, it's just been this slight downhill thing where it's like, yeah, Eastern Conference title contenders, yeah, maybe they make it in the second round and make some noise. But it's like, I don't know, man. The Boston Celtics just don't seem like a team that's capable of, of, of hanging in there with these top dogs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a team where you look at it on paper, you look at it you know, on the court, you see Jason Tatum, you see Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, and you're like, Oh, this team will have a chance any given night, 
but it really just depends on how they play, you know. It can be so up and down, and Jason Tatum can have 40, uh, Jalen Brown can have 28, 30, and they can still lose by, you know, damn 20 points. So it, it's it really it, it's really it's a really weird year for the Boston Celtics because, you know, their two best players have ascended to the to the point where they want them to. Um but they're not they're obviously not netting the results anywhere near the results that they want to. So, yeah, I'm going to just say no, no. Are y'all looking to fire Brad Stevens after this year? Brad Stevens might look to take that Indiana University job if it's presented to him. He would get paid more anyways. I thought he was going to go. Man, that would be – it would be fitting. I'll I'll just say that. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) But let's – Let's flip it to the Western Conference. Um, I already had thought of this, so this this should be an interesting question. Let's say the Lakers are locked in for one Western Conference Finals spot. Between the other top six teams, so Utah, Phoenix, the Clippers, Denver, and Portland, who's meeting the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals? You said Utah, Denver, Phoenix, somebody in Portland. Portland. Clippers. 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 So, yeah, for— for me personally, I, I, <laughs> it might be like I'm trying to prove myself right. You know, a, a little bit part of my answer might be that. And a little bit part of my answer is that I just believe this is still right. But it, it's to me, it's got to be the Clippers, man. And I just it might be like, I, I'm, you know, it, the definition of insanity, you know, trying something again and again, and expecting a different result. Um, but. I just I I just have to believe that if you have you know that type of talent and, and you know skill set and just players and role players on your team that you just you have to be the you know the the best team at least out of this group. Um, when I look at the other teams, they just for the exception of maybe you know uh, uh, the the Phoenix Suns perhaps. You know, where they have like three legit, legitimate guys who, you know, um, with DeAndre Aiden, who, you know, he, he's going to try to be an all star for his his career for years to come. But they have three legitimate dudes. Uh, but other than that, like like Dame, obviously I love, but it's to me, it's just Dame. And you can believe as much as you want to uh, in in his role player teammates. But I, I just don't believe in Robert Covington and uh Lamelo Anthony, um, but <laughs> Car- Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> um, but but yeah, man, it, it's it's a it's pretty clear to me that the it has to be the Clippers. To it just has to be the Clippers. It has to be the Clippers. It's, it's the Robert Covington I, slander every episode. <laughs> Julio just has you both of y'all, man. Both of y'all just have your guys that you like, and then you're just like, mm, freaking Robert Covington. I mean. I feel like as as sports fans, sports analysts, whatever you want to call it, we tend to have this mentality of, of um, we won't give a team it, like its opportunity. Like we did this with the Nuggets last year, right? There was no way in hell that the Denver Nuggets were going to make the Western Conference Finals and beat the Los Angeles Clippers in the semifinals until they did it. Even when it was like, you know, game seven, five minutes left. It was like, ain't no way, right? And it wasn't until Paul George started throwing shots off the backboard that I was like, <laughs> shoot, it might happen, right? And then it was like, 
it was all said and done. And it still almost didn't feel real because we have these narratives built up in our head of what the season's going to culminate to almost as a product of, uh, you know, the, the several years that we went through with the Golden State Warriors dynasty versus LeBron James. We have in our heads what the season's going to culminate into. And when things don't play out like that, or we don't give credence to the, uh, the possibility that things could play out in a different way. I don't think we do that enough as basketball fans. To me, the Los Angeles Clippers don't have it. They didn't have it last year. I don't think they have it this year. Kawhi Leonard's played pretty well, but they haven't shown me enough or at any point throughout this regular season. Um, and I know playoff is a different story, but even if we're going off precedent and what they showed last playoffs, I don't see it. I'm not feeling their energy. I'm not feeling the Clippers' energy to go and, and do. And they, they don't have this, like, you know, we're going to fight the power and, and prove everybody yeah. wrong. They still feel a little like, yeah, yeah. we're here. Yeah, we're good. And then even when the times when Paul George is like, yeah, this is comeback season. I've been in my trainer. I've been in the lab. Da 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 da. It it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real when Paul George says it. It doesn't feel real when Marcus Morris said it. It didn't feel real when Jermichael Green told me that we that 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 like it, it doesn't feel real from the Clippers, man. Maybe that's just me and in my own head, but it doesn't yeah, feel but, like the Clippers like have it. You know what I mean? When I think of a team that go ahead, Julio, go ahead. I'll, I'll I, I agree with you, but if you if if the Denver Nuggets were to play the Clippers again, who are you choosing? Because I think the Denver Nuggets, from what we saw in the bubble, the heights that they reached have regressed. Yeah, I don't think the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I don't think they quite have it either. Um, I'm torn between the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns here, and I'm probably giving the slight edge. To the Phoenix Suns, just because I still don't. And you posted, you had an interesting post about this the other day on Twitter, Eddie, about Rudy Gobert is still food in the open court when he has to when he gets switched onto a guard and this, that, and the third. Like I'm still not at it as exceptional as Rudy Gobert, and I feel like that should be your defensive player of the year this year. Um, as exceptional as he's been, I'm not sure I'm ready to trust him in a playoff setting yet, and I'm not sure I'm ready to trust Jordan Clarkson in a playoff setting. I'm not sure I'm ready to just trust that Jazz unit in a playoff setting. With the Phoenix Suns, hell yeah, I'm ready to trust Devin Booker. He's giving me no reason not to trust Devin Booker in a playoff setting. The dude's a bucket. We've seen what Chris Paul can do in clutch situations. Michael Bridges, what he does is not going anywhere, right? The only person that I maybe don't trust would be DeAndre Ayton, but I think you can simplify his role enough to where he won't have, you know, that much of an effect on the game where if he has a bad game, the whole team's sinking. So I would say that I think the most likely of the teams you've named, Phoenix Suns. I can see the Phoenix Suns facing the Lakers in the finals. The, the, the Phoenix Suns would definitely be my second team. Um, and the reason I'm not choosing the, the Utah Jazz is because – or they'd probably be my third team. Um, I, I don't know if it's just in my head, like like you said, Reagan, or if this will, would is going to manifest itself. You, you just – I feel like you have to have two superstars in order to win a championship unless the other team is dealing with injuries. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell's obviously been playing, you know, this is the best year of his career. But, you know, I love Mike Conley and I've always, you know, rooted for him. You know, I called him before Dame was being disrespected a lot. I always called him like the most underrated player in the NBA. Uh, Rudy Gobert is obviously Rudy Gobert. Uh, Bogdanovich is Bogdanovich. You know, we, we know all the pieces that they have, but they just don't have, you know, two central superstars in my in 
you know, in my mind, maybe Rudy, the combination of Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley make up for that. But I just don't think that's how that works. That's why Phoenix with CP and uh, who I trust in the playoffs and D book, I, I would, you know, I wouldn't have a problem picking them either. But Utah, Utah's third for me. And, and I know a lot of people, that's becoming a lot of people's, uh, uh, you know, favorite pick right now. But nah, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. To me, I think every year we talk about like seeding is going to matter, right? Like what matchups you have are going to matter. Well, this year, I actually think it's going to matter depending on where you end up. Not for the Lakers, but for every other team. You can make an argument that, you know, if you face one team, you have more advantages. But if you play the other team, you know, you're maybe at a disadvantage. So a lot of it might come down to that sort of probability. But if you ask me who has the best shot of facing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, I think I'm with Reagan here. Like, it's Phoenix. And I think it's it's not, like, particularly close. And I don't even want to say that because I, I love a lot of these teams. Like, watching Utah play is really fun to me. And I just, like, love how they're playing this year. You know, like, I like Portland. You guys know how I feel about Portland. You know, they're dangerous. Wait, because you said – coming back. You said at the beginning of the season – You said Port- Portland. Portland was – you said Portland was in there. I said I said Portland was the third best team in the did West it, this did year. It, third. Did it? Nah. Third. No, See, now no, I'm with Julio. You I, said, I don't know. You said second. No, I you had the second. Lakers, the Clippers, and then Portland. But in, but in a in a play in a playoff setting, I thought I thought you had said one time that you would take Portland over Utah or Portland over. I thought Portland was I your. Think, um, I think Utah or Phoenix. I think Portland is beating Utah in a series because they can't guard Dame. Utah, that is. I think Phoenix is beating Utah in a playoff series because they can't guard CP3 or D book. Facts. Um, uh huh. And, like, that to me is kind of a difference maker. But, again, like, with Phoenix, it's like they're dominating the regular season right now. You know, they're, they're the second-best team in the West or, you know, by the standings. Like, they're playing really well. And it's one of those things where you know that once you go to the playoffs, that their style of basketball translates. You know, it's, I mean, like, it's not yeah. overly predicated on motion, on sets, on deception, you know, the type of stuff where when things hunker down in the playoffs and it goes, show me that you can win one-on-one, show me that you can create advantages. I trust their players. They're really simple, but, Mm -hmm. you know, really effective schemes to create those advantages. Like I know D-Book is an advantage when he has the ball in his hand. Like Mikhail Bridges is a very smart cutter and like really advantageous player off the ball. You know, Jay Crowder seems to turn it up in the playoffs every year even though he's kind of just been okay in the regular season and they're also pretty deep on the bench too like Dario Saric is really useful for him campaign suddenly a very competent backup Shout guard you know, in the NBA I, but yeah I mean you know yeah Phoenix the, like Phoenix is really solid as a regular season team and I think they have the potential to take it up even higher in the playoffs and, and that's what makes them really dangerous to me the, the, yeah, that's the thing with Phoenix. Um, two things that they can, they have a coach that puts them in, in positions and situations that where they can succeed, you know, running, running plays, running certain sets, but they can also succeed when things break down. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that's, you know, that's my biggest, that's the thing that I always hold on to in the playoffs. And the other thing with Phoenix is roster construction. Now, this is kind of how I felt last year about the Clippers. Um, and how I also felt last year really about the about the jazz where they they really you don't really see a weakness 
anywhere on their team, really. Like they have all the the what you want in a team, what you want on a team fulfilled. You got a point guard who can, you know, get his own when he needs to, but will run your team, lead your team, uh, put you in the right positions. You have a guy who can go get you a bucket, can drop 30, 40 points on any given night. You got a solid big and you got two, uh, uh, you know, three and D guys, uh, quote unquote, really three with Jay Crowder campaign. I mean, uh, uh, Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson, right, and um, uh, and Bridges. So their roster construction is really, really solid. Um, so I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past the Phoenix Suns to to be that second team. Yeah. And I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be super fun because you know I'm still not counting out Denver in any of these series, given how Jokic has been playing this year. You know, it feels like Michael Porter, even though me and Julio both have our you know kind of uh, frustrations with him you know like when he and Jamal Murray and Jokic are on the same floor together it's it's hard to stop it's really hard to stop mm-hmm. and I mean Portland is really designed for success in my eyes you know they're, they're kind of like they have the similar roster construction as Phoenix just with maybe slightly worse depth I think but I mean yeah it's 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 a crazy deep top of the west yeah yeah. No doubt, man. No doubt. But that Phoenix. Let's see. That Phoenix team. I don't know, man. That Phoenix team got something for them. I, I, I feel that. I think that this playoffs, not that Devin Booker necessarily needs a coming out party. I feel like real hoops heads have known that Devin Booker was that dude for a while now. Um, and that he's just been waiting on his opportunity to show that. But maybe for the, the common audience that isn't as plugged into the, to the day-to-day of this stuff as, as perhaps we might be, Devin Booker's about to be put on, on on the national stage, and people are about to know the name. Yeah, Devin Booker, he's going out there dropping 38 games playing playoff time. For sure. And, I mean, we're pretty much at an hour, and that will wrap it up for our kind of Mid-season predictions, mid-season prognostications. We'll see, as always, like we do with our preseason stuff, if any of this comes true or whether we, you know, fully swung and missed or whether we just, you know, predicted the future like Julio did about, you know, about the Miami Heat a year ago. So you and never know. But, and the Bucks. And the Bucks. But again, that'll do it for this episode. As always, check out our social media accounts. Check out our video content that we have coming out with our you know, video simulcast of the podcast that Reagan has been toiling at. Um, our social media handles are now at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. I think I got all the changes. I feel like I haven't done this hosting thing in a while, but I think I covered all the bases. Yeah, yeah, man. You got Anyways, it. Go follow Pod. Do that. Do that. It's time to blow up in 2021. Um, Again, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.